10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Diftor Hesamusma. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, morning, breaker, breakers. It's F to the R to the I to the day. Another week in the books uh, and a few hours until the weekend shenanigans can commence. I'm Dorian Brown. It's Friday, the 12th of November, and we are live on the radio of Talking Teachers. Today, we're going to be talking about working freelance in education, the climate crisis, sustainability, and also looking at the next steps following the occlusion of COP26. Let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hatatilu to you all out there this morning on this fine day and thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio. I hope you are all well and good and you are looking forward to the fast approaching weekend. It is nearly here. Uh, this week has been another busy work week across the world. Uh, there has been much focus on the goings on in Glasgow. Uh, lots of things being said both inside and outside the conference. Promises being made, money being pledged uh, uh, and private jets still being flown. Um, but there we go. Uh, over to Susie Dent's word of the week, which today is stiff rump from the 18th century. 18th century and, it, and it is an obstinate, disdainful individual who refuses to budge when action is needed. Really not sure who, if anyone, Susie is referring to with that gem. Uh, but let us all remain sort of positive and hopeful uh, for a severe lack of stiff rumplery moving forward from COP26. So let's get straight on. Uh, I have an amazing guest today to chew the fat over these vital issues in education. Uh, and they're certainly not one to pull any punches in these meaty issues. So I'm joined today by Kit Marie Rackley, which many of you will know as at uh, Geog Ramblings on Twitter. Uh, Kit has worked as a secondary geography teacher before leaving the classroom to work as a freelance consultant and educator, as well as also working outreach program part-time for uh, a university as well. Uh, and if you were to just simply browse Kit's website, you'll see the sheer enormity and, and, and range of things that they're involved in. Uh, and I'm super stoked to be able to talk to them now. And Kit joins me in the studio now. Welcome, Kit. Thank you very much for coming on Teachers Talk Radio this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Mr. Brown. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> oh, excellent. And a fellow geographer as well. So we're flying the yes. flag for geographers at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, for those of you that don't know of you, Kit, or haven't uh, sort of been following your uh, escapades uh, on Twitter <laughs> and all the things that you get up to, would you mind giving us a quick introduction as to who you are and give us an, uh, an idea of your journey in education thus yeah. far, please? I've Es escapades is a really good word for it. Uh, so yeah, um, very long story short. So I was a high school geography teacher just outside of Norwich for 13 years. Uh, you know, quintessential geographer, totally passionate, but I always love to get involved in other things as well and other aspects of the school community. Um, and that was on the back of an environmental science degree at the University of Stanley, where I specialised actually in meteorology and climatology. And maybe some of your listeners maybe saw that BBC drama very, very recently, you know, of the trick all about the climate gate scandal and the hacking well i was actually taught and advised and lectured by those amazing folks at the uea so uh, that wow. was close to my heart that uh, and since then 
I've come out of the classroom and I've worked with climate scientists directly, both in the UK and the US. And uh, But now I'm in university outreach and I do a bit of freelancing on the side where everybody sees me as that pest on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. And, and um, it is many and varied. And I know that for, for the show, I hope to be able to kind of unpick a few more, a few of those things that you're involved in. Because as I said, it's, it is very many and varied, the, the, the things that you do seem to be involved in. Um, it's interesting if I can just kind of, sort of wind back a little bit as well because sure. you know starting off as a as a geography teacher um uh, is uh, you know fantastic and, and having that, that that role in school of being involved in all those extra kind of curricular activities as well uh, to what extent did that perhaps maybe that uh, that involvement in more than just teaching kind of mm. help support do what you do now it got you know when you embed yourself as a member of a community not just mm. as a teacher or a cog in a wheel, you start to obviously get to know your students a lot closer. You get to know them as individuals rather than as numbers or rather than as brown envelopes at the end of the school, end of the school process. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I, I was the girls football coach as well. For example, I would help out in the drama department because my second specialism is in drama and I got to know the kids on a personal basis. Mm. So now taking that work forward I don't see children as a group a bunch of people to be lectured to or anything like that mm. I see as them as individuals with talents with ideas that need support and need to be empowered so I see teachers mm. as members of the community and allies of young people so that's wow. how that all come about really that that's 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 beautiful but the same, I think at the same time now that you've kind of I guess removed yourself from the from that environment it's uh, mm. it's a lot more difficult I suppose to have those relationships if you're kind of really is. in in and out um, but actually recognition that you know they, they are not just vessels to be filled with with knowledge and kind of you know moved on in the in the factory process but they are kind of beings to 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 guide I guess is is a really yeah. good I think reflection to take out of that um, would you say as well so uh, having sort of left full time teaching um i don't know if you want to kind of exp uh, give us an idea as to perhaps maybe the reasoning behind why you decided to leave but mm. if, if not so um how about what it is you miss most and perhaps yeah. maybe miss least least about being in the classroom uh, no i am always open to talk about these things because conversations need to happen and they're very very useful um i had very um major problems with my mental health um where it was just so much just getting on top and you know as as i don't want to be preached to converted or anything like that because everyone knows what the bureaucracy and the paperwork and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. like and the, and it's not just there's one overall big pressure you know and obviously often things like that get quoted quite often that it's it's mm -hmm. the, the the mini pressures that just build up and coalesce and, and make you and suffocate you if you like and the problem mm -hmm. i had um for everybody listening is that i was actually in a lovely school i was in a lovely school i the kids were well kids are amazing anyway but i was in a lovely school the culture was lovely that you know the the slt really did try to do well by their staff and were really mindful of staff mental health and everything like that and i just thought to myself if i'm struggling in a very nurturing supportive environment then maybe i need to take a break and i think that's an okay thing a valid thing to feel um so I, it was actually just meant to be a sabbatical. It was only meant to be for a year. Right. Um, but then these opportunities to work with climate scientists came up and, and my head teacher said, I really want your back kit, but really you should take this opportunity. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's fantastic. I love, again, I love your reflection and absolutely we're teachers talk radio. So I think um, anyone listening, everyone listening oh, yes. will be able to relate exactly to that. And I mean, even in the, even in, in the car sort of coming home from work myself today, we're kind of, you know, bemoaning the amount of time that we don't have to do all the extra things that we do have to do. Um, and I was saying to a colleague just the other day that, you know, feeling so run down right now at the, at the end of, well, at the beginning of the, the second term, I suppose. Yes. Um, yes. But, but the, the, the fact that sometimes when we need to take our foot off the gas or actually just rest for a bit um, mm. and not go into school, it's, it feels like sometimes it's more work and more effort to not go in than it is to go in. Um, and that's 100%. one of the... 100%. Mm. Yeah, 100%. You know, I would be, I would make myself more sick for not going into work because mm. I'd be so worried, anxious. I would be feeling I'm letting the kids down. And, and this, uh, this is no fault of any individual teacher or maybe even individual senior leadership team. It is the structure, unfortunately, and, mm. and the environment that has been built in the way their education system works is that we're made to feel like we're failing this, even the yes. system yes. or the kids by, you know, and, and of course, then you've got the amazing, and, and the vast majority of us have got amazing cover supervisors and cover teachers who are incredible. But, you know, you, you, you still have that fear. It's like, oh, but, you know, I really want to be there. I don't want to leave cover work. You've got to set the cover work. You've got to pick up a pieces after all that because the cover supervisor's got to run from one class to the other and they're not subject specialists. And, yeah, it's, it's I mean, that's just one facet of so many, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And it, just you saying that yourself as well, it makes me think about the number of people that are in the same situation that you have been. And, and you had the, the you were brave enough I guess to make that to make that step and and perhaps maybe there are thousands of people teachers in the same sort of scenario but are perhaps maybe too fearful of of uh, sort of sort of breaking away and, and it was and, petrifying it yeah. was petrifying yeah I really was nervous taking that step but, but now, it was I'd have no regrets though as yeah. much as I missed it and, and now seeing you now um, and sort of listening to you now and the kind of seeing how active you are and the sort of vibrancy that just kind of comes from your seeing your day to day involvement. It just, yeah, like you said, no, it seems very much there. No regrets. You're really thriving and really doing what you're, you know, what you're keeping, you're keeping aligned with your passions and still involved in schools. But you perhaps maybe are now in a little bit more control of your uh, of your of your well-being. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and a shout out to all those teachers and staff and school staff who who have you know the innate ability to thrive in these precious situations and we want to give a shout out to them because I don't want those folks to think you know that that everybody you know can't well it's not a case of not coping but everyone has their own ways of coping me yes. mechanisms everyone thrives in different situations circumstances just that okay. for me myself you know after 13 years and and you know we talked about it before we came on air when about mm. how i have this really pro big problem of not saying no sometimes mm. and i mm. always give everything 110% which is what you you can't do for five periods a day day yes. in day out and then the bit on the weekend everything because it just burns you out <laughs> yeah absolutely done is better than perfect but unfortunately when we're perfectionists it's very difficult to <laughs> and, you the and you love the kids to bits yes you don't want to give anything less than perfect or mm -hmm. try to give anything less than perfect because you feel like you're failing someone's future and, and that's that's and that's what makes us teachers i see i still you could the language i still use you know us you know rather than i used to be in the community yeah. but that's what makes us teachers something special something else you know, and a bedrock of, of society and community, which means we've got such power, such privilege and such responsibility as well. 
which we'll come on to later, no doubt. Absolutely, yes. It's completely fascinating. We're only kind of not even not even into the main part of the show yet, and I'm absolutely <laughs> kind of um, uh, taken by all this. Um, so just to kind of square off that last question, then. So I think I know what you, um, uh, or, or you've kind of articulated in a way what you sort of don't miss, but what is it that you miss most? And I think I know your answer to this as well, actually. Yeah. But what is it you miss most? Oh, it, it is that day-to-day interaction with the young people. Um, I was... I actually went back into a school for the first time in Yonks yesterday um, to to one of my assigned schools as an outreach officer. And I hadn't been able to go in, of course, because of COVID. Mm. And I just I had a year 10 assembly to give to introduce myself, talk about work experience, stuff like that. And I just I made the effort to go around at the end of the assembly and talk to as many students as I possibly could. Oh, what's your name? Lovely to meet you. It was um, one kid flagged me up and said, oh, oh, oh. Like I noticed you've got that your non-binary thing on your wrist and they pulled their their blazer back and they had the yeah. non-binary wristband on as well. And it's like, wow. you know, making those connect and now and then developing those relationships. So you've got a strong professional relationship mm. um, and uh, so, sorry to plug it, but uh, my my coffee and geography podcast, mm. if everybody listens to a recent episode where I talked to four ex students, that is such a good encapsulation of how it feels to work with youngsters day in day out and watch them grow and watch them develop into young adults and I think that's the thing I missed is is may not get the opportunity to develop that deep connection with individual young people but that's why I try and teach even if I only meet a young person for a second or or a minute Mm. or 10 minutes I will I will develop a relationship with them for that 10 minutes absolutely that sounds amazing and 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 I think Again, thinking through that, did you say this was about 13 years ago when you kind of moved mm. out of the classroom? And so, you know, the world Four is a different world. 13 years, from, yeah. Oh, so about, uh, 2017, 18 was my sabbatical year. Right, right. So that, was, that was pretty much it, yeah. <laughs> and so even in five years' time, you know, the world has changed and attitudes yes. and behaviours and everything has changed. And so the students that you were teaching when you were in school, uh, you know, it's, it's a different time now. So that is that kind of, that, uh, you know, I wonder, you know, you're feeling that kind of the, 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 the enjoyment of being back in a school has that tempted you at any point to think about (laughs) you're not the first person to ask me this um oh there's a lot of flux and change in my life right now and I'm also quite visible and public about that so those who know me know what I'm talking about in that respect so while I'm going through this period of personal change myself I think I would want to find my center and settle on that first before I put myself as really a part of the furniture i want to know what kind of furniture i'm going to be before i put myself as a part of the furniture you know what i mean but so for the time being i'm in a very very good yeah. place hmm. working with loads of young people reaching out working with networks working with community groups working with schools in, in a region and for me this is just the perfect balance for the time being as i as i refine myself yes the refining first de- define the piece of i love that define the piece of furniture you are and then and be in control of uh, like i said of a lot more things because as soon yes. as you move back into school there is a lot of things that are frustrating that you can't change and yet you, you know you you've seen the, the the way that things can be but perhaps maybe when you move yeah. to a place it it isn't that way so oh fantastic well um Let's. Uh, I'll just uh, also just refer to last week's show, if I may, uh, very quick, very quickly mm-hmm. here, uh, Kit. Before we uh, before we move on, um, I, I spoke to Catherine Owen, someone I uh, I think you know very well, yeah, and, I, and we were talking about subject associations, um, and uh, and um, yeah, from from what you were saying about all these things that you're involved in outside of school, to, can I can you let us know to what extent you're involved with the geography oh. subject associations, and and also why you think they're that's important. 
Yeah, and a good shout out to to Catherine, uh, our geography mum. Yeah, <laughs> lovely Catherine. So yeah, we so Catherine and I, for example, we are um, consultants for the Geographical Association. So that's the main teacher body, if you like, for for geography for the subject geography for primary and secondary phases. And so uh, you know they will uh, somebody will contact the GA and say you know we would like to do this that and the other, and then they would come to like Catherine or I or other people based on our expertise and say, can we help with this? You know, run workshops, talks, develop resources, all that kind of stuff. So we, we, we do that. Uh, and the other membership I'm, I'm with is the National Association of School-Based Teacher Trainers or NASBIT. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm their secondary geography consultant. Um, and they've, they've got me on board as a consultant because of my high school experience, you know, of over a decade, because I said to mm. them, I'm not in the classroom anymore does that matter so they say well actually you've got extensive experience of being in the classroom so and and you're continually keeping up to date with things by talking to people mm. so they are the two things and they're in, and and you've also got the rgs which i kind of work with on an ad hoc basis so the royal geographical society and they're so so important because they they quite simply help teachers and communities to make connections and facilitate connections that may not be possible usually so the GA has got regional branches. I mean, uh, Norfolk, come on, we've got to get ourselves sorted. <laughs> but there are a lot of really good uh, GA branches, local branches, regional branches, and they just, and then you've got special interest groups. They bring together communities and teachers that otherwise would not, otherwise you feel quite isolated. And of course, yes. we've all got our own ideas and all approaches. And, and how many times as yourself as a teacher or anybody listening to a teacher, like mm. somebody's done something which maybe isn't outlandish, but just slightly tweaked different. And it's just given you the edge that oh I, I didn't realize I could approach like that and it changes almost your whole practice because of it you know yes. but if we don't make that connection mm. we won't be sharing those those brilliant ideas and we'll be reinventing the wheel all the time agree and we do feel sometimes as teachers we can it's quite it can be quite a lonely kind of profession in yes. some ways right because we are you know institutionally in siloed yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's definitely something that I, we picked up on um, in, in the discussion with Catherine in the way that it's not just geography teachers that are involved in these associations. It's people from the whole you know, geography spectrum, if you will, which help can contribute to, to move knowledge forward. Yeah. And also hold, you know, hold ourselves to account and try to be progressive. So, you know, there's as, as much as I, for example, absolutely adore and love the GA, they also know that I am quite vocal on what they need to do to move forward, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so by working with subject associations like that, you get a more powerful vehicle to, to make change. So obviously, yes. we, we're all aware of the massive decolonizing effort right now. And so, you know, we're trying to get the GA engaged and say, we need you as a positive voice and a positive vehicle to, to enhance you know the voices which aren't heard usually you know mm. when we look at pictures on the ga website you know it's well you you can see yes. we need to make improvements there and it's not just it's not tokenism it's having teachers of of color or any minority you know seeing themselves within mm. an association and that's important so you know that all that work goes on as well yeah i mean it's, it's practicing what they preach into you know in terms of all the dei policies and everything isn't mm -hmm. it um uh, oh i mean Another thing Catherine and I arrived at was this idea of how great the geography subject associations are, absolutely. And then we kind of we, we got to a bit of an impasse because we were kind of wondering how other subject associations were, you know, looking over the fence and seeing. And I think Christine Council did res re respond to a, a, a tweet which I put out and said, you know, the the history one is is, is e equally as kind of vibrant and as uh, and as you said, you know, bringing communities together and sharing uh, pedagogy and pushing knowledge forward and 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 and, and challenging. But again, outside of those two, the humanities ones, I, I'm not. Uh, 
aware actually that there is such a a vehicle as you said to kind of start driving these these things forward perhaps the humanities very much lend themselves to it because the knowledge is always kind of evolving and and, and uh, developing over time and, and and maybe in some of the more uh the other subjects perhaps maybe it's a it's it's the same stuff but different year um maybe that's the case but uh, <laughs> we'll leave that one for no that we'll get some comments coming in about that. absolutely <laughs> yeah so feel, do feel free to text in as well if you've, if you've got any comments on that that'd be great um we are going to go to an absolutely fascinating uh, sort of brief introduction to, to, to kit there um we're gonna go to a news break right now and then we're gonna get to the the tofu part of the burger uh where we're gonna be looking at uh, uh following on from cop 26 and how we can start taking action this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Holland, the government has stated its commitment to GCSE and A-level examinations taking place in summer 2022. Ofqual has suggested that teachers should be gathering evidence to determine grades. According to the latest guidance, assessments should therefore be similar to full or parts of the exam papers they are preparing to take next summer. Past papers could be used in full or part where appropriate. The guidance suggests assessments taking place in the second half of the autumn term, the spring term and the first half of the summer term. Ofqual Chief Regulator said in a letter to heads of school and colleges, We hope this guidance will help you to take a proportionate approach in gathering evidence and avoid any unnecessary burden on either staff or your students. Julie McCulloch, Director of Policy at the Association of School and College Leaders said, These plans involve students having to sit a series of mock exams which may or may not count towards their final grades, as well as having to take formal exams next summer. This is far from ideal and places them under a great deal of pressure. But not having a contingency plan would risk the chaos of the past two years. And therefore, on balance, this seems like the right course of action. And the confirmed set of measures appear to be sensible enough. In Scotland, concerns have been raised about the volume of tests in schools in a report written by Professor Gordon Staubart from the University College London. Giving evidence to MSPs, Professor Staubart said, I think probably the biggest surprise was the sheer volume of examinations that secondary school students go through. The complexity of National 5, the hires and the advanced hires and that you may have multi-level teaching in small schools with students going in for different ones where there's a slightly different curricula. I think we can record progress and we don't necessarily need the examination to do it. There may be other ways. Last month, Scotland's Education Secretary, 
Shirley Ann Somerville said, Exams could be reformed, but not scrapped. She said, What we are talking about is having a discussion about the best way of us being able to look at what a learner achieves and recognise that achievement. This has been your daily education news briefing. Thank you very much for the news there, Gail. Uh, Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Friday morning break. I am Dorian Brown and I am joined by Kit Marie Rackley, uh, who is a, uh, well, every, it seems to be everything, uh, former former teacher, (laughs) hands in many different things, projects, podcaster, resource creator. Uh, We we spoke um, briefly at the end there about uh, Kit's involvement in the uh, Geographical Association, the RGS, and, and NASBET as well. Um, whew, very uh, very busy uh, overall, I think, uh, is yeah. how we can kind of sum up that, that, that first section. Um, Get your finger out of that pile, that cookie jar kit kind of approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't say no. <laughs> um, but uh, so what I thought would be a really good thing for us to talk about uh, now, Kit, if that's all right. Um, today is the final day of, of COP26. Uh, there's been a lot yes. of um, blah, 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 a lot of a lot of pledges, a lot of, uh, you know, inspirational kind of, you know, things, things which are making good news and making good camera, you know, good, good uh, headlines, etc. But I think the um, the shared sort of feeling and sense of this, I get, is that uh, it, it is time for the action now. Um, and um, the a tweet that you declared um, the climate crisis itself being a safeguarding issue. I wondered if you might just unpick that a little bit for us. Yeah, it's and really it stems from the the inaction from from top and you know and as we've seen with this with this cop it's it really has as to quote Greta Flumberg be more blah 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 really mm. and, and and not you know and and touts that we've done this we've done this we've done this but with complete ignorance well I, I don't think it's ignorance I think they they know personally that it's not enough um, so it's we've we've heard from you know the education secretary with regards to this new duke of edinburgh style award that's going to be for school and um a, a lot of responses to, to him was well that's great but come on get with the times get with them you did you get the memo that we kind of already have got climate change education in schools and it's mostly the responsibility as i've put in a recent tweet being fallen on the shoulders of science teachers or geography teachers and mm. and um and that's and for me it that's not enough and the reason why it's not enough is because um it's there are three components uh, which make this very clear and to me as unequivocal as the science of climate change is right and that is number one is that we are we are experiencing especially our young people are experiencing a mental health crisis right now Mm. but you know you've heard the terms eco-anxiety and I've talked about this extensively and I um, the evidence is out there. Look at the work at Clover Hogan from Force of Nature, who was at COP herself, amazing young person. Caroline Hickman from University of Bath, all the evidence is there. And you just have to think back to, you know, lockdowns of COVID about how we suddenly appreciated like getting out in nature was so important for our mental well-being. Well, we're mm. destroying our, our support system, which is nature, because we are connected with nature. So that is causing a decline in our mental health. So that's number one. Um, oh, and of course, we have guidance from the from the government about mental health in schools. There's actually a full document from 2018 that says that. So that's number one. Component number two, climate, what's called climate change attribution science. And that is a really, that's a really fancy way of basically saying is, is how well we can attribute 
each an individual extreme weather event or extreme event to climate change mm-hmm. by human activity. And that's a, quite a new science last decade or two, but mm-hmm. it's increasingly clear statistically confident scientists are data scientists and climate scientists are that the extreme weather events we're experiencing today have a human fingerprint in them and increasingly so um and not just from faraway lands which is one of the ways we put this on the u on in the uk as well so the evidence is that the extreme weather events we're experiencing are due to human climate change and then the third thing of course is government safeguarding policy and in government safeguarding policy you've got risk factors and protective factors and one of the risk factors says war disasters and overwhelming events is a risk factor to to student well-being and mental Mm. health well i i'm hoping that people listening think to myself well it doesn't take a genius to link those three together Mm. and therefore you're now mandated that the climate change issue is a safeguarding issue and i'm a strong believer i'm not saying it has to be written explicitly in safeguarding policy but safeguarding policy has got to be clear enough to say if you're not dealing with say with climate change in your school not just on a curriculum basis not just on a pedagogical basis, but in the ethos in your school about how you look after your students' well-being, mm. I believe that school is in, inadequate and safeguarding. That's how uh, strongly I feel about it. I can see that. I can see you've kind of articulated that. You've kind of put those points together uh, very convincingly, I think. And that's, you know, that is, as you said, you know, with those policies from the government, you know, risk and protective, it's difficult to argue against what you've just said is what i'm saying <laughs> I'm, I'm not to. i'm not as low, I'm, i mean i'm fully i'm fully aware with safeguarding policy because i'm safeguard yes. trained mm, to, mm. to the hill like most of us are um yeah. with the climate anxiety stuff i've had to read up on that and research on that mm. but but everybody can use their own innate anxieties about what's going on to to a trip to identify with that mm. and the climate change attribution science that's just obviously my 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 bread and butter because that's what yeah. i'm my skills are and my training is and my degree is in so so for me it was all i needed to do was make the connection yes and, uh, and the attribution science is actually quite difficult in itself because obviously so you know just like in any in any human science right um there's just so many variables and there's only Absolutely. certain things that you can and uh, can control and you are kind of making models and making predictions um which you know could you know can be interpreted in a n- number language of different, is different so ways important. yeah mm. language is so important and, and because science good science pure science and proper science quotes in probabilities and likelihoods and statistical probability people who don't understand the scientific method you know they hear the word uncertainty which is a scientific term Mm. and of course they say oh you're uncertain are you so you're not actually sure that it's no that's not what uncertain scientific uncertainty means Mm. Mm. you know it's and science means means there's there's a range of probabilities and we fit inside i i like to imagine it like this say climate projections You've got a basket of 100 golf balls and you hit, you try your very, very best to hit every. Whatever, but we know that variables change between each swing. So your wrist might be slightly different angle. The wind might change direction. The wind might change strength or whatever it is. A bird yeah. might fly over and cause like a, a mini vortice, which changes the, <laughs> the flight of the, the one golf ball might have a slightly undented dimple and so there's all these little mini variables but if mm. you hit that go- those golf balls a hundred times you'll end up with a spread you'll have a yes. cluster of golf balls in certain area you'll have your outliers mm. so and that that is that whole thing you see in front of you that rate spread of golf balls that is scientific uncertainty yes. so it's not that they're uncertain they like well 
the majority of the golf balls are down here. So yeah. we're pretty certain that this is the likely outcome. But there we have outliers over there, outliers over there. There is a possibility it could be as extreme as that or as extreme as that. That's so, a, such a great way of explaining it. And I'm going to, I'm stealing that. That's amazing. That's a really good way. Golf. Of, of, yeah, golf. The golf. And no one ever think I'm not a golfer. Golf analogy. No, me neither. It works for me. It definitely works. Yeah. I could do David Beckham's goal uh, free kicks, maybe trying to hit the same spot, but I don't there know if go. that works as well. Yeah. Well, let's try <laughs> our age, David Beckham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, all, all of the cool teachers will be thinking, who's this David Beckham character? Uh, <laughs> listen, um, so let's 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 link that then because i think a question comes from that that tweet that you that you did put out um uh and and i'll read it verbatim because i think it is again it kind of underlines exactly what you've just said uh and kind of you know uh provokes uh action reaction or action if you like and, and so the tweet says climate change education is not a tick box box exercise uh, nor the responsibility of your geography teacher. School SLTs and governors need to step up and use their safeguarding responsibilities to embed it throughout. Mm. So a little bit of um, personal advice, I guess, here in a way, as a school governor myself, <laughs> okay. what, would you, what would you advise to be the first steps in this process? And this can be for governors or, or in fact, actually SLT. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the pressures that I remember, and I still feel quite keenly, of course, is the pressure to deliver the curriculum, the pressure to get things done, right? To get mm. our kids through this. So the first thing I would always, always advise any school governors to help, help you know, um, lead and things like that is start with curriculum mapping. What do you already do? Mm. You know, because I will guarantee you every single subject in your school can find a way to talk about climate change mm. easily. You know, so if you're doing if you're doing um, fictional or non-fictional text in English, why not be your curriculum, you know, your, your stimulus, a piece about climate change? Why not be the curriculum artifact to do with, please? you know, in art, in art, there is so much amazing. Why not use the climate stripes as your mm -hmm. art stimulus? Mm -hmm. And how's that P producing a piece of art based on the climate stripes? So there are so many different ways that you can you can embed in the curriculum. So the first thing to do is to look at is to say, right, SLT conduct a curriculum map where and you can do it contemporaneously thank you ex-colleague ross rocky head of hobart high school for that word i'll never you might have, you might have to help us all out temporaneously which okay. means doing things what you know doing two things at once which are synergetic okay, so right. um it's a safeguarding term like when the student disclosed something to you you got to write it down at the same time contemporaneously gotcha. cool. um so while they're doing their curriculum reviews while they're looking about what they're going to be doing for the next half term well they're going to be look when they're revising a scheme of work that's when you do it so it's it's actually you make it part of the process and the, use the time that you already have got, got so that's the first thing i would say so from a governor's point of view of course because you've got more of an oversee is mm. that you will you will you will be regularly reviewing your safeguarding policy mm. You know, you will have those meetings, you know, you will double check that they're they're abiding by government guidance. And so when you look at the risk factors and protective factors, there are some questions you can ask as a school to say to what what parts of climate change and environmental degradation in general, sustainability in general, questions can we ask that we can flag in our safeguarding policy? So uh, let's let's do a simple one. Is our school in is it any part of our catchment area in an area that's at risk of flooding right yes you've you've got to know that as a school for not just not just for safeguarding your students but for logistics you know if the, if you get a sudden you know 
storm a flood a, a flash flood or something like that mm. your school might be cut off so you've got mm. to know that kind of stuff anyway for mm. logistical mm. planning right for in case you need to close the school or something yes. school in sheffield that flooded a few years ago you know so ask those kind of questions you know what do you how is your school grounds um you know built in a way that that has a nurturing environment you know do you have a sensory garden for you know because you might have that for students with certain neurological um diversities mm. so ask those questions and then that put that so there's ways you can do it and and i can i can supply a link for you to put up later where i've posed these questions um that you can do so yes start with the discussion yes and evaluation of what you already do yes i'm like going to go through that process anyway Yes, for sure. That continual, you know, that continual exposure, and it might doesn't necessarily always have to be in the under the umbrella, you know, explicit, does it? You don't have to say right now. Now we're doing climate change. You know, these exp right. exposure to these things in the curriculum should just be threaded, you know, weave weaved in, and so there is that constant kind of exposure to the language and to the to, to the the as you said at the the governor's level, the 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 threats. Uh, or, or considerations to think about with regards to, to, to safeguarding or, or physical environment. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and and, um, and that takes us very nicely actually onto the the next question really because um, I, I, I spoke a couple, well, maybe four or five weeks ago to uh, uh, Danny Mayhew, who's uh, assistant head of a primary school in Leeds there, uh, and he was talking about how he was working pre-COVID to try to embed a curriculum, a crime, mm. climate crisis curriculum, uh, <laughs> always difficult to say those uh, in a row, um, uh, and obviously was slightly kind of the speed bump that is, that, that, that was yeah, the, the COVID. Bit, yeah, yeah um, and, and now sort of his positive sort of uh, view on kind of getting back to it. So I, I, again, having kind of Dug, dug through your website and see uh, kind of seen what you've been up to uh, even just actually just following you on Twitter I can see that you do have uh, you have spent a lot of time uh, putting together a, a climate change education pack so I wonder if you could uh, let us know what that is and, and how it all came about yeah it's it's um I'm I'm as, as everybody's already heard I'm a I'm a secondary specialist so so that pack mm. itself is aimed towards uh upper key stage three through to key stage four and five um, and I would love to have the time to generate something that's primary related, but there are, there are, um, there are ones out there which have done an amazing job. So I want to give the, the leads, um, I think it's, uh, I can't, it's, it's the leads DEC. I can never yes. remember what they stand for, bless no. them, but they are an amazing bunch of people and they've done a fantastic, um, thing re with regards to, uh, climate change education and have done one for primary schools about the yes. language you should use and how to approach it and things like that. Um, and primary schools are in such a, they're in, in a brilliant position because they can take it out of a subject-based silo, mm -hmm. you know, so they, and they yes. can look at it in a more of a thematic way and more of an everyday kind of way, you know, and, and again, and, and it's lovely to hear these teachers, you know, having a go at this and not just it being like for a week or two, but actually, you know, make sure it's weaved all the way through from early years, all the way through to say, year, you know, year five and year six and, and, um, yeah, so the pack that I've done is, is mostly aimed towards secondary teachers, and you, that's right. from the Geographical Association. It's You do have to be a member of the GA to, to access it. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, a lot of the components that make up that scheme of work, I have made, you know, taken from free elements of my blog anyway. So if you mm -hmm. were to go into my blog and search for certain elements, you'd come up with a lot. And not to mention, there is so many good stuff out there from other members of staff and other teachers as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I know Catherine, Catherine 
and I and Paul Turner have done some stuff yes. with James Cheshire with his new book Atlas of the Invisible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we do stuff like that, and Paul Turner's got his own climate change. So it's not just me, yes. um, no. and I do my very very. And listen, everybody, if you're out there, get in touch with me because if you've if you've done something which is you feel has nailed it or really on the right path, I want to platform it. Um, and I would love to share it and I'd love to kind of collate all this kind of stuff so people can come to mind and they might see mine, but they, if it doesn't quite fit you, mm. you know, there are some alternatives there as well. So yeah, it's, um, so that's where you would find that one. And I am working with primary schools. Um, and there are some great lot out there. You've got the early years and primary phase committee from the GA. So you can follow them on Twitter, EYPPC. GA something like that you can search and you'll find them <laughs> they're, they're doing a lot of the stuff on this kind of stuff now and Sharon Witt and everybody so there are primary elements in there and I'm actually starting up um, a course with the GA about um, climate change and critical thinking for primary pr- practitioners Lovely. so that's wow. that's starting very very soon but if it's popular enough and the demand is there it will no doubt can be run again <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and i'm sure you can kind of dip into the i've had a, a sort of three shows now on philosophy for children so where that kind of mm. you know critical aspect kind of links in so there might be a little bit of um uh, cross-pollination available there i think as well um yeah. uh, and thank you very much a very generous offer kind of asking our, our sort of listeners and and on our downloaders um uh, to to connect with you and as uh, kit referred to we would we will put all of the the links that we talk about in the show notes today so yeah. that you can access those and, and reach out because I, I believe exactly what you said there in the way that it is it's it isn't just one person or one group kind of fighting this fight or trying to kind of get this right. uh, get these things going it's the strength in numbers and i think it is that kind of the momentum is now with us you know that it's become more you know we can see on a day-to-day basis the impacts of of, yes. of climate change it's not just something happening in a faraway land somewhere um and 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 I think that experiential aspect of it is now making a lot more people go, oh, you know, it, it, it is now more of a priority than I think it has ever been. And that is as a result of experience. And, and every day that goes past, it will become an even greater priority, you mm. know, unless something gets done about it. So, yeah. you know, the time is yesterday. If the second best <laughs> time is now. Absolutely. Oh, lovely way of putting that as well. Uh, okay. Well, although you've, you, you, you've, you've said you've, your, your specialism is in secondary school uh, and, um, and a lot of the resources you have done is, uh, is geared toward kind of secondary teachers. Danny and I spoke about this idea of, you know, if we're able to kind of, and, and you, you referred to it very nicely there in the way of kind of silo free, you know, you, you, you can weave kind of cl- the conversation and get the language of climate, uh, the climate crisis in primary uh, more easily, perhaps, or at least allow it to be not just one area or one, one specific subject. Um, so how then... Uh, and Daniel, I was saying, if you if you get that embedded early, it means that when you get to secondary school, the conversations that you do have in those separate mm. subjects build upon what you already know and what have already you know already yeah. critically thought about in primary. So it does you know make absolute sense to really fertilize the uh, the primary st- students. So it doesn't sound right that, uh, but pri- <laughs> you know to, to really know kind of what you plant, mean. Yeah. plant 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 the plant the seeds plant if you seeds. like, and then water them in uh, you know uh, over the you know it's for those. So here we are. Um, um, just before we go to the ad break, uh, it's Monday morning, uh, two days time. I'm leading, you are leading the primary school assembly. What are you doing? What are you delivering? Oh, I love this question. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, was, I have worked with primary school students. And so the two things that I would do is I would probably, so I made a poem for a 
the Global Action Plan Transform Our Worlds um, Youth Climate Summit in 20, November 2020. Mm. But that was it. But that poem I generated from contributions from young people themselves, as young as primary school age, so not just secondary. Right. So the first thing I'll do, and I, I, I'll put it together as a piece of performance poetry with the pictures and the videos that these youngsters had sent me and other bits that I, that I did myself. So I'd play that because it's about six minutes long. Uh -huh. um, lovely music you you see you know these primary school students will see kids of their own age doing things being happy celebrating the environment and then I'll just get them to tell me what you know what was your favorite bit of the video have mm. any of you done anything like that or let's imagine I'm making that video today what what who's got a story that I could put on there for me so then I'd ask them to kind of get back and it's it's lovely and the poem is called uh, why not now and um, it's, it's associated with um, the Youth Climate Summit 2020 and Transform Our World. Um, it's in Italy, was that right? That, that, that was hosted in Italy? Oh, it was, no, it was virtual. It was oh, the virtual, virtual one, was, right? Yeah, it was virtual and it was, it was, it was nationwide and it was very right. successful. And um, in, fact, in fact, I think they're, they're going over, they're having a youth summit right now, the Trans Transform Our World group. So right. uh, let me get this right. Just look, yeah. Hashtag T-O-W Youth Summit. They're going for all of these fantastic stuff at the moment and one of the things that they've they've reposted has been that poem so uh, check it out that's what i would yes. do for that oh, we will and obviously our uh, listeners will also be doing so as well in the show notes after the show yeah. um uh, do you know what as well and, and it, it occurred to me when you were saying that then i would ask them the amount of uh, the, the willingness to contribute to those kind of conversations the things that come out of primary student minds and and, and mouths and those in those scenarios are so yes. rich as well and so Amazing. kind of pure and authentic and everything as well so i can imagine that that it, it, it might you know it might get a little bit uh, uh busy with everybody wanting to contribute to that particularly with the with the, with the stimulus that that that, that you're offering there uh, <laughs> all but better. yeah better all better it. all better right kit uh, the, we are um hurtling towards the end of the show uh, and i know I, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, your your um your life as a freelance educator uh, so we'll go to a quick ad break and we will revert shortly and uh, and wrap up the show so uh, join us again in about a minute's time Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, it is the Friday morning break. I am Dorian Brown and I am joined by Kit Marie Rackley. And we have been having a fantastic conversation, uh, finding out all about what Kit has been up to and does. Uh, but also uh, the, the middle part of the show was focusing on the importance of COP26 and the importance of making sure that it wasn't just another summit where there are a lot of talking and a lot of important people got together and kind of made some promises. We wanted to make sure, uh, you know, we need to make sure you know that action happens now uh, uh, and one way of doing that is ensuring that we are uh, committed as as a teaching profession but as everybody else in those 
uh, around the area of, of, of education um, are committed to ensuring that we are getting, um, we are empowering our, our young people. We want to give them the, the, the confidence and the knowledge to, that, to know that they are ones that actually can be agents of change um, in, you know, from yesterday. Um, so, so it was a fantastic um, uh, sort of discussion there. And, and we could have gone on for a few more hours, but uh, unfortunately people have got teaching to do today. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's just have a little bit of a window now, if I can uh, get into your, 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 um, your, your job as a, as a freelance educator. And, and it's a bit of a kind of a tongue in teeth a tongue it or a tongue twister itself a, a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> question but can you describe a typical week yeah um so i i work part-time for the university of Stanglia, as already mentioned about with mm -hmm. as an outreach officer so um i am contracted to do four days a week with those so believe it or not my freelance education work technically is only 0.2 fte you know equivalent right. yes. um so um so it sounds like but as you can imagine, I actually do quite a lot of evenings and weekends of my freelance work. I, I think I pretty much probably work almost the equivalent of a, of a full time. So what I basically do is, is um, I try not to look at my emails until the Thursday, which is when I, when I am, um, you, you know, doing my freelance work and I see what, you know, people are asking me questions. They're saying, can I do these, you know, can I do these talks or, you know, I can most of the time it's, I've come across this resource or this thing on your, on your blog, you know, um, do you have any ideas about how to do it or this, the best ones I get sometimes is this is what I've made for my students. This is what I've done for my school. This is the kind of stuff that me and the department have come up with. Can you check it over for us? And that's love. I love yes. that because I get to see other people's ideas and celebrate them. And, and, um, and I get to see how my work can be adapted to suit you know the the culture and the environment where it's being used which is which is important because yes. <laughs> my stuff doesn't it's not one size fit all no right uh, so so that happens during the day and a lot so a lot of it is preparing talks you know your, your classic things as, as as you folks would be preparing lessons preparing resources all that kind of stuff i still do all that kind of stuff hmm. um and then usually in the evenings and weekends i'll be recording episodes like your know, podcasts or radio chats like this yeah. or i would be um recording my own podcast and editing that so it's it's really full-on and uh, quite a lot of it goes on after the kids have gone to bed so which yes. is, so i'll get a lot of evening work <laughs> so from 8 30 9 o'clock and i usually go to about 11 at night so um oof, but, uh, sounds full-on very full-on where's the netflix in that <laughs> oh no well, well, we have we have family movie night on a, on a saturday so uh, me, me and the kids have gone for a whole run of the avengers movie in universe awesome. chronological order so and uh, and i'm a star trek nerd so i do get my star trek fix as well, so <laughs> It's like it's nice that it's scheduled in as well. You've ring fenced it. I think that's a really good good yeah. strategy. Otherwise, it can get uh, too much. I think um, so. Uh, Frank, uh, one other uh, two more questions, if I may. Um, just sure. before, just before we wrap up, and the first one is that you know the future of uh, geog rambling. So, is there anything exciting that you've got on the on the horizon, or something that you're working on, which you're really um, which we can get the scoop on here on Teachers Talk Radio? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, crikey! Well, season two of Coffee and Geography will be out in the new uh -huh. year. Okay. I'm already starting to got some really lovely guests lined up, so uh, which is fantastic. So keep an eye out for that, everybody, and follow on uh, Coffee Jog Pod is the, is the Twitter feed for that. Okay. There's something I'm talking to other people with regards to um, having basically live um, easy chair staff room chats 
with a rotation of geography teachers where basically we have those staff room discussions, you know, yeah. in a, in a professional appropriate manner. And mm. then people can just jump on it in the, the live chat. So I'm speaking to a few geography teachers who'd be interested in that, that hopefully will yeah. be piloting before the end of the year. We'll see. Um, the one thing I'm really excited about is, is this is where I try and do this. Sometimes my free, I try and have one foot in my freelance and one foot in my outreach. So yes. one of the things the university of East Anglia are doing at the moment is project change, which is all about climate education. And so with my foot in both UEA and freelance, I am currently developing a teaching resource about indigenous voices and climate change. And I've used the Coffee and Geography podcast to talk to First Nation or in people of indigenous culture and their views about what's going on. Mm. And I've got members of the decolonizing geography group helping me to develop educational resources based on that for UEA project change. So... <laughs> So, so yes, yes. So yes, in the uh, in the short, there is a lot lot to look forward to by the sounds of it. And again, men, many yes. <laughs> many and varied, many and varied. And and I was talking to to Sarah Humphreys from Aim High, who did the live lesson okay. from COP twenty six in the show yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And and I said, what next for Aim High? Now that they've built it up to this big lesson, what next? And and she went on to list five six seven or eight things that they were intending to do to keep the conversations going to keep the things and then it, it dawned on me really that that's exactly what we need to do because we haven't really got a measure of seeing uh, we haven't got right if we all do this then we will affect change we've all got to do lots of things with the hope that the combination of all those things together are actually going to 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 result in some mm. positive positive change so yeah it, it sounds it great refreshes the conversation and it refreshes mm. the conversation it doesn't conclude it it refreshes it for the yes. next for the next go beautiful yeah. right very last one i promise and it is <laughs> what advice would you give to anyone moving away from full-time teaching uh, but also stay in the education center so oh. what let, let's say one one nugget and then we'll, we will one nugget go. well okay well very very well the, the, i'll give quickly two one is okay. that don't beat yourself up you know feeling how you feel if you're thinking this is completely valid and you are 100 right to feel it the second mm. thing the, the, the other word nugget i'd say is see if you can uh, secure a part-time role before yes. moving away completely because then that will give you the chance to maybe build a portfolio like i have freelancing or something but see if you can go part-time first beautiful okay all i all that remains for me to say there is i give you an absolute massive thank you. i know how busy you are and i know how many things that you've been going so i am absolutely oh. uh, stoked to be able to have had this time with you today and, and some of those conversations um i hope that we can continue uh beyond beyond the radio show and i know that anyone that is listening uh will uh, definitely that uh, have have listened or are interested will definitely reach out and get in touch uh, with you um and continue the like you said continue that conversation keep refreshing it <laughs> brilliant thank you so much for having me it's been absolutely delightful and thank you for everyone for listening as well you're doing an amazing job brilliant thank you very much take care everybody bye-bye bye you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio